One of my very first clients was Joel Russell of eImagine, and now, 17 years later, he has built an amazing company with an awesome culture. I think you'll enjoy our conversation about what it takes to build an employee-driven culture. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for business owners. MTFW is a production of Roundpeg, and this is your host, Lorraine Ball. And today, I get to talk to my favorite client, Joel. Yeah, go ahead and laugh, Joel. Joel Russell is the president and founder of a company called eImagine, and we have worked together for a long time, and I have always respected his approach to building his team, and I'm so excited to have him. Good morning, Joel. Good morning, Lorraine. Thanks for the time today. I really appreciate it. Joel, you really have built a company. I mean, when we started working together, there were three of you, and clearly you're a lot bigger organization today. But you've really stayed true to this idea of your culture as part of your competitive advantage. And I really want to kind of explore why is that so important to you? I appreciate that. I I think in preparation of this, I went back and looked. We started working together in 2003, Lorraine. So we've been at this a long time together. When I looked through some of the stuff, it actually was pretty good back then, Lorraine. I thought our stuff we came up with was good. (laughs) Obviously, we did something right together because we're both still here. (laughs) We're plugging away. That's that's for sure. You know, I I think culture, I mean, we we sell, I've always been interested in, in growing people. It's just been in my DNA, I think, since high school, candidly. You know, and what is he imagine he imagines a company that sells technical services, but really we sell people and what, what our people can do for our customers. What we do is technology, but at the end of the day, our delivery is only as good as the people that's doing the delivery. So when, when, you, when you think about that, I think it's imperative for us to have a culture where those employees feel empowered to do their jobs, empowered to learn. The two things I always talk about when we're recruiting is one, You got to be willing to try something new. You got to be willing to get outside of your comfort zone. And we're going to challenge you to get better at your job, whether that's technology, whether that's people management, process improvement, you name it. But then two, you got to be willing to fail because I just don't think people get better if they don't make mistakes. And in my industry, a lot of the doers of the world are people that really don't like to make mistakes. I think you and I try new stuff all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, you know, if you think of a disk profile in the S and C side of the world, you know, they 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 measure a few more times than we do when they try something. So it's a challenge for me to kind of balance all that. But I really enjoy it. So as you're adding person number ten, person number twenty, and on and on, what do you look for in the people that you're interviewing to make sure that that they're going to fit, that they're going to be the right person to continue to build your culture? I think that's somewhat evolved over over the years. I think, you know, if I rewind the tape 10 years ago, the, the easy mantra was someone you want to work with and then someone you want to go have a beer with after work. The problem now is I've got four kids. So my time after work is pretty limited. I, I don't get a lot of time to say, hey, let's go have a beer after work. And I know it was more of an analogy beforehand. So you know, that, that's evolved, I think, to be a little bit, have some data points to it. And so when we interview people, I mean, we're looking for, are they inquisitive? Are the questions that they kind of ask, are they curious? We'll try and create an environment where they're a little uncomfortable in the interview just to see how they respond to it. And I think that's, those are a couple of things. You know, other stuff, I mean, just, I hate to say it even in today's age, but are they professional? Do they stand up? Do they when you walk in the room to introduce yourself, do they shake their hand? Do they look you in the eye? You know, is it a pleasant conversation? I mean, even though some of our delivery folks are in front of their computers more times than they're in front of customers, 
at the end of the day, there's still a relationship they have to build. And, you know, if they can't do that in an interview, I don't know why I would expect them to do that on the job. Absolutely. Okay. So you hire these people and you feel very, very comfortable that they're going to be a fit, that you like the vibe that you get during the interview conversation. You kind of, and you made a really good point about kind of having those things that you look for over and over again. But then you bring somebody in. What's the onboarding like to make sure that they have a smooth transition into the work environment? Yeah. So when we onboard, there is a process that our people ops, what used to be HR, it's not called people operations, follows. And so one of the things that we try and do is there's unfortunately a lot of administrative tape that they need to go through from a benefits setup and perspective and elections and all those type of things new equipment, laptops, and those things. So, I mean, that's, of course, all has to get done. But we also um, work to get them assigned to a lead right away. Um, we do check-ins, I want to say, at one week, 30 days, and 90 days. They immediately kind of get thrown into a scrum team or a working team. Again, that lead assignment is a big one because that's someone that we feel it can be a mentor to that employee helps guide them in their career. And so we set that up as quickly as we can. We often say at least within the first 30 days, but we try and get that set up right away. And those are kind of some of the process things or people things we do. And of course, we have soft touches that we do, you know, letters in the mail or welcome baskets and those type of things for, for them. But at the end of the day, we try and get them connected to the people right away. And, and the quicker we can slipstream them into a team and working with folks, I think the better and quicker they get up to speed on, on who we are. You know, that whole idea of letting team members be the people that sort of onboard the next teammate gives everybody, I think it's a great idea because it gives people a sense of ownership that they're a part of continuing the culture and sort of bringing the new people on. Our people ops team can't be the group that drives our culture. I mean, our culture is driven by our employees. And if, and if your HR team is saying, this is our culture, it seems too rigid. And we, to your point, we've got to get the people in Involved, and that creates ownership within the culture and ownership within within teams. And I think that's really been successful. I absolutely think that's a great idea. You know, you said something about the fact that, you know, with four kids these days, you don't have the time to necessarily go out and have a beer, but you guys still do some really interesting team events, both community building and just fun things. How do you decide what, what you're going to do as a team, kind of bring people together and be a part of the community? I mean, I'll answer that kind of two-pronged. I mean, one thing we do is we have what we call our fun team, and it's a group, uh, three or four people in the organization that get together and create environments, I guess to say, have fun. So for example, last night I was unable to attend. I, I actually coach a high school soccer team, so I couldn't make it, but we had game night at the office. And so, you know, employees got together after hours for game night. Um, that's something that they decided to do. They organized it. The fund committee gets a budget we set aside for the year so they can, you know, when they show up, it's not you're just there with games, there's food and drink and those type of things. So that's something that they've kind of self-organized. I mean, this upcoming Saturday, I guess we've got family picnic over at Holiday Park. So again, when I am employ an employer, you know, when we hire a person to work for us, we don't just get them, we get their family, so to speak. And so we try and a couple of times a year, create an environment where their family can get involved, their kids can get out there. Um, and that's all really done by our fund committee. And so that's really been successful, and I think it's created some stickiness inside the organization. On the community side, there's a group within the company that kind of works to identify, you know, three or four community events we want to get involved with every year, and we kind of organize around that and then participate. 
And that's, I think, also been uh, successful. I'm on the board of the Heroes Foundation, which was a cancer group here in Indianapolis. And um, we do a lot of stuff with them, which has been fun. So it's kind of a two-pronged approach on that. So if you were going to give advice to either the younger you or or another business owner coming up that is looking to build a company from, you know, three to 30 or three to 300, what are the like two or three just quick tips to kind of start building that culture and then maintaining it that you would suggest? Yeah, I mean, I would say there's probably three or four tent poles that you've got to pick and say, we're, we're, these are non-negotiable. And and I don't know what, what those tent poles would be for your company, but you know we've got things inside our company as far as the, how we treat our employees, how we look at, you know are they working overtime versus not working overtime, vacations, benefits that we offer. I mean, for like one tent pole for us that I'll, I'll kind of walk through is we have a really good benefits package from different insurance options um, to um, time off to 401k, you're 100% invested in your 401k the day you're employed. It's not like you have to work here, you know, 20% a year for five years, you know, to get your 100% investment, which is something that frustrated me with, that, you know, 20 some years ago at my employer. And so I think from there, if you define your tent poles, then you have to let the employees overlay um, across the tent poles. And some of the stuff that that runs our culture I don't, I'm not always 100% on board. Like, wow, I didn't think that that's such a great idea, but our employees are way on board with it. And really they're the ones driving the culture. And so, you know, I think those 10 poles or those guardrails, so to speak on a road, you got to define what, what are your non-negotiables as far as that. And then you got to let them kind of drive the bus within, within the guardrails or the 10 poles are set. So the tent height or the tent size, whatever it might be in your analogy, and then have the okayness or the ego to say, I'll step back and let them go from there. And I think that's, that's been an interesting thing for me that I would challenge my younger self with to say, it's okay. You don't have to control all this. You've got to hire the good people and let them help drive that culture. And that's a scary thing because, you know, as I kind of said earlier, selling people, that's my number one thing that we have. If I'm giving it back to them. Wow. That's a little bit scary as a business owner, right? Absolutely. It's funny because we've gone through this exercise a lot as well. And I stepped back and looked at my original core values and kind of what my employees are telling me is the core of who we are today. And if you hire the right people, they enrich the values. But I think it's still, it, it still feels like my company. It still feels like your company, that this is an extension of of what your original vision was. It is. And I mean, I, I think that's been very rewarding for me. I think um, I, I just learned some new thing about, you know, not measuring forward, but measuring back as far as looking at success. You know, oftentimes as an owner, you never feel successful. Mm -hmm. You're like, we got to get the next thing or grow to the next thing, add the next thing. And so, but when I look back and say, hey, we've got, I think almost 70 or around that number of employees now. And what do we say? Three, when you and I first started talking, mm -hmm. it, it is still you know, the embodiment of what I was trying to do is still there. And for me, again, I get a lot of excitement and satisfaction of my career when I look at how an employee grew over, say, the last 10 years, and now they're running with something. And it's almost like watching one of your children grow up. It's like, wow, we created this environment. We brought in this younger person. They've grown in their career. And now look what they're doing all within the confines of the imagined and the culture we've created. Awesome. And for me, that, that's the coolest thing that I do. I love that. 
Jill, I cannot believe how fast the time has flown by. <laughs> Always love talking to you. Absolutely. This has been a great conversation and we will include, if people have gotten intrigued and they want to know more about eImagine, we're going to have a link to your company website from the show notes. And uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you, Lorraine. And, and I just would say I, I couldn't be here without you. I went back and looked at all that stuff yesterday and thought to myself, <laughs> thank goodness I met Lorraine Ball in 2003. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Well, you are still, even to this day, my favorite client. <laughs> I, I'm, gonna, I'm not losing that. Uh, I'm not going to give that up either. So thank you very much. Awesome. If you have enjoyed today's conversation, if you'd like to know more about marketing and entrepreneurship, be sure to check out our new resource library at the digitaltoolboxin.com. This has been another episode of More Than a Few Words. Thanks for listening.